You know, you really be needing a pirate's name. Is that bubble wrap? Every terrifying pirate's got one. Blue beard, black, red, all kinds of beards. Can I have some bubble wrap too? That's why I decided to brand ye no beard. <sighs> That's terrible. Well, you aren't terrifying and you don't be having a beard. Oh, so now you can respond to me. All right, all right. It's me power move. I can ignore stupid and obvious questions. <sighs> all right, well, where did you get it? The dungeon. The brig? It's my ship, I'll call it what I want. So you went to the dungeon to pop? Aye, dungeons and pop. My two favorite things. Oh, I know who we should chat with next. Welcome aboard the Casually Meta, the pirate's vessel that takes hobby gaming seriously. I am your host, CJ, here with no beard, still like usual. Today, we're going to sit down with the Dungeons & Pop podcast, and we're going to discuss Monster Madness, the battle for suburbia. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Casually Meta. Same thing on TikTok. We don't really post very much things on the TikTok yet, but we got some ideas in the works that might interest you in the future. Uh, that being said, with no further ado, we give you the news. We've got news, Captain. What y'all be reporting? All right, so uh, gaming news today is pretty exciting. We'll start out with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate getting Sora from Kingdom Hearts as their final DLC character. A lot of people have been going on and on about that for forever now, begging for that character to be added. Smash Brothers was a little hesitant, being that they already have a ton of sword-type characters, but uh, they put it in anyway, um, which was pretty solid, giving the players what they want. Uh, Back for Blood is out, and though it's a pretty good game, it's not really being received as well as one might have thought it would have been. Um, it's been a little lackluster with unexciting gameplay, but... It is another installment in the Left 4 Dead series, so we'll, we'll wait and see uh, further on. The new Marvel Avengers game is out, and not performing well at all. Uh, it, uh, it's the most played game on Xbox right now, uh, but they put it microtransactions in right away, but the game is unpolished, and it's just the play style just isn't great. Dead by Daylight is also getting a new Survivor. Now, back in our very first episode, we were predicting that a killer would come out, and based on a picture leaked onto the Twitter by the devs, we thought that the new killer was going to be a witch or a sorceress of sorts, and it turns out that though it's not a killer, it's a survivor, we were 100% correct on the theme, and the new survivor is going to be a witch. Well, that's kind of all I found that I thought was interesting for the news today. So we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we're sitting down with Dungeons and & Pop, and we're hoping that you guys really enjoy the episode. So hold tight, and we'll be right back with you. In a world with many podcasts, pilfering dungeons and slaying dragons, there is one where heroes come in many shapes and sizes. Small and large, guests and regulars. Their challenges vary from world to world as it touches many realms. From a world reaching the breaking point to another where adventurers find the attitude to claim the power inside and save the day. To yet another where fiction has breached the walls of reality. Dungeons and Pop is a tabletop variety podcast which showcases pop culture in formats both in-game and out as we strive to not be your typical D&D we utilize a number of third-party supplements and homebrews, such as lasers and liches for D&D. We release alternating arcs and segments every Wednesday morning and can be found at dungeons-and-pop.pinecast.co. It can also be found on your favorite 
podcast player of choice, and we are also located on the Cast Junkie server. Thanks for listening. Casually Meta is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, among others, and all major podcatchers. Please subscribe and leave an iTunes or Podchaser review. If you'd like to reach us, follow us on Twitter at Casually Meta. Join the Thunder Bunnies Discord server or email us at casually.meta.podcast at gmail.com. All of these locations will be provided in the description. Enough of that. Get on with it. Welcome aboard the Casually Meta. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we're going to be talking about Monster Madness Battle for Suburbia, a game released on June 12, 2007 by South Peaks Games. Uh, Sean, what is your experience with this game? When did you first buy it? And, uh, you know, like, what was your initial reaction to this game? Well, I first bought it. Ironically, I found it at, fa- uh, not Family Dollar, what's the other one? Big Lots for $5. <laughs> but the the thing that stuck out to me was the artwork. It made me think like an updated version, like I mentioned earlier, an updated version of Zombie Ate My Neighbors, which stuck out to me. And I... I had Googled it quickly and I had heard bad rumors on, but you know, I've, I play game. I've enjoyed games that people haven't really thought were good. So I gave it a whirl and Oh, Oh my word. Really? You heard bad things about it? Because when I looked online, I saw that it had a uh, 3.6 out of five with a 93% approval rating. I, well, it, it, it depends it's weird because I was seeing a lot of people were complaining about the controls because it's it's sort of like they tried to do a first person shooter, but there's a lot of weird things like like if I remember correctly, the the mouse is how you turn mm-hmm. on on the Windows version, stuff like that. It took a lot of practice. It got to a point, I think I, I started be- seeing it as a challenge. And I think that's maybe why it also has a high rating. Some people may, like, may enjoy the challenge aspect of it just because of how the controls are so different. Okay, so um, you're the host, or at least one of the co-hosts, of Dungeons & Pop. And, you know, that's a real play uh, podcast. Does Dungeons & Pop, uh, the, the flavor that you you convey in that show, uh, and your, your personal taste, did that have anything to do with what attracted you to this game actually yeah it's because that's one of the things that attracted me to the game i was looking into it and when i was playing it that got me keep playing is it they, they had a lot of interesting little twists on pulp culture like for example one of the monsters is this sat this it's like a swamp thing but the artwork kind of made it look just look more like a hillbilly kid that just roi- that hulked out it 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 has kind of like a nine. It has kind of a nineties feel to it, almost it, with a little bit of a twist, if that makes sense. Right, and I, you know, I think some of the listeners right now might be sitting here going, "Dungeons and Pop, what is that?" and and why would he ask about that? So, could you tell us a little bit about your podcast, really, before we really deep dive into this game? Oh well, we're a real, like you said, real play, actual play, a variety show, kind of. Basically, it comes down to like we all wanted to do a podcast and we started with Adventures with Attitude, which is this uh, D&D campaign that uses this uh, 90s supplement called Lasers and Liches, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's got arcade mimics in it, uh, cheese slimes. Uh, there's a monk. There's an alternative for the monk that's basically Neo. And it kind of, that kind of like set us up. Like, we want to do something fun. So we... Um, I'll really like that it had this class in it called the Henshin, which is basically Power Rangers. And we thought, oh, let's do an all Henshin podcast. But what happened was we had trouble getting a lot. We were having a lot of trouble early on with scheduling and stuff. So what we ended up doing is starting a bunch of different campaigns that we've started recently and finally started getting it where we're alternating. So for a while we were alternating like episodes. As you can see on our like release schedule, we were at at one point, we were releasing one one on one one day of the month, one on another, and now we've kind of moved to where we try to make arcs for it, so it's more easy for our listeners to, you know, like they, if they want to listen to a part, they can listen through, and then they have a clear ending, sort of like a little mini book, almost. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so you guys take um, 
tabletop RPGs combine uh, and try to combine it with pop culture and really come up with like an interesting story to play with that. So when you have that sort of concept within your own podcast and it kind of bleeds into your your hobbies and your likes outside of the podcasting realm and that sort of draws you to games like this are there any other games that are sort of like this one that like uh you know that you're into that that sort of like follow along that genre um there's i want to say one or two um there's this one i I'm, i'm struggling for the name right now i know it's on the switch it's this game that's sort of a similar feel but it, it instead of like being like a monster mash it's more of a side scroller where it's like these four kids are at this convention and then monsters appear and then they start taking on the powers of of these uh character archetypes so like it's got like a mecha guy it's got link i'm sorry i i, I if i should remember this because i just remember it was like the one thing I had fun with that one was then each the level you go through, depending on the level, changes the boss. So like there was like a Baxter Stockman Flyman or a Jason Voorhees guy. It's a lot of fun. That actually does sound really good. And uh, it, it sort of sounds like you're sort of into like the Monster of the Week genre. Uh, have you ever played Monster of the Week? Oh, yeah. We have. We actually have a couple couple campaigns i i run one i run part of or half of one of and then i'm a player in another oh it's, okay uh the fictional heroism and the breaking point and they're a lot of they're really good eric who runs breaking point has mixed feelings on it but it, it's it's a lot of fun because it, it runs we ran it sort of more like an actual audio drama so the first arc took like 12, 12, like I want 18 episodes, but there's a lot of character development over that period. Okay. All right. So we kind of have like a, a little introduction to the game, a little introduction to what you do and how those relate. So I think like the listeners can kind of like coalesce where your likes and hobbies and stuff kind of like drew you to this game. Um, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, you know, for, for what you're doing here. And so let's try to dive into a little bit of the lore of the game. When we look at Monster Madness, the Battle of Suburbia, what what is the backstory here? Like, what is going on in this game? Basically, in a game, it just starts out with um, a treat, like, once they uh, four friends hanging out, and then zombies break into their house, and. So they're they're they start grabbing uh, weapons from the the area and start finding their way out. And as they go through the game, they run into this um, former actor, like B movie actor. Was it Charlie Sheen? It wasn't Charlie Sheen. It was Larry Tools. Oh, it sounds like a Charlie Sheen role, if you ask me. We have four kids in a house full of irresponsible parents that just have weapons lying around all over the place. And then we run into a B-movie actor where there's zombies. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of neat because, like, Larry Tools tells them that, like, the Demon Lord is causing all this havoc and they need to collect these monster tokens to stop them. And then it kind of goes... They It just follows them going through the city and trying to figure out what's going on and it, it it's it's without spoiling anything it gets very interesting and when you get to the end and you find out exactly what's going on but i mean it, it's it's 2007 a release you you, you you i don't think you're gonna spoil anything if you let us in on that okay so larry tools is the bad guy the big bat He's, really yeah so he, he helps you the whole time and then you got to fight him yeah because basically his whole thing is he's getting you to fight the monsters to give him the monster tokens and he's been giving you these weapons for it but as he's collecting them they're souls oh my god so yeah. so he's using you to collect so that's a really that's a really deep story for a five dollar game actually Oh, yeah. it, it's funny because that's the deepest part of it. And you, it takes several, several hours to get to the full part, but it, it still has a nice storyline because, like, it's you start out at home, then you're going. If I remember, you're going you used to go through the streets, and then you get to the park, and you have to fight Grandma. <laughs> yeah, the, the end boss of the of the park is the is Grandma. 
Who's a zombie? Hey, you gotta give grandma a whooping. Is she got a shoe? Is she like getting you with a slipper? Uh, she, she's a cat mancer, basically. <laughs> oh. So this like, game is it, it's like a horror, but more comedy horror. Yeah, it's like comedy horror. It's very B movie. That's awesome, though. It is. It even has a Mr. Huggles, a large purple dinosaur. (laughs) And what what system was this for? It was for Xbox. Well, the the original version was for Xbox and PC. And PC is a harder one of that because I actually think it's part of it, too, because um, Xbox controls go to PC weird. That's it's okay. not intentional. It's just how PC r- registers it. If you're using a keyboard and a, tr- and a trackball, that's right. I played it with a trackball. Oh my! So this was a long time ago. Kind of. I I, I was I was very interested in trackballs for a while. I've kind of gotten. I've finally gotten a love for my, mice because they're moving them around. But it was just. It was very interesting. Like it, I played through levels. So many times. Let's think. The game released in 2007. And oh, you were really playing retro because that's the year I graduated high school and I was already using laser mice by that point, like consistently. Yeah, so. and I think it, I, I think it kind of just appe- appealed to me as something, an alternative, because, you know, like with a mouse, you still got to have the space on your on your on your table. So with right. the trackball, you just have to have it one spot and you just move it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, one of those ergonomic things, like a big gray thing with a big red ball on it, right? That's yeah. what you're talking about? Yep, I had one of those. Those things were actually really, really nice for when you were working with, like, uh, art projects and stuff back in the day if you didn't have a pen. Um. Okay, so we have this this game and in 2007, and what I, what I saw on there, like, one of the big game mechanics was that you would find items lying around on the ground and combine them to make weapons. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's basically what. That's why he was called Larry Tools, basically. <laughs> okay. So, like, what kind use, of stuff could you combine? Like, there was, if I remember correctly, there was stu- stuff like you buy like pipes, um, duct tape, nails. You know, the you like the normal stuff you would normally just pick up. You'd think for you'd think MacGyver. Okay. Sometimes you find pl- plutonium. Oh my god! <laughs> He's throwing uh, <laughs> yeah. little manufacture nukes and things. Yeah, it was. Um, if I remember, the plutonium was for the death ray. Uh, we're we're barely into the description of this game, and honestly, it sounds like a hoot already. Like, like why wouldn't you want to play this game? And why was it only five dollars? Right, like. I, I think it was just like I said, it was it was big lot. So there was a, a t- I think I got this around. I know it was after. Jesus went so long, I think I got about three. Well, that's a weird thing it was like probably released three years before I, I found it there. OK, OK, so you're looking at like maybe 2010. OK. I, I just. I mean, even even after three years, I mean, even to this day, after three years, $60 games are still between the 30 and $60 mark. I just it just seems like there's like a real quality game here so far that that uh, got a really low price point. It feels like people missed out on um, the little diamond in the rough. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing I like about Grave Danger. The, the re-release is that apparently that one's got a lot better, but. There's something about playing this because you're playing it through a, from a third, a first person perspective. I think makes it a little more interesting because you have less. You can get back like you have less perspective. So it, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about the, the, the older version because it it was kind of like it put you more into the character. So like if you were playing like a top, uh, top down twin twin stick shooter like the the remake or the rebuild was you still would be able to see me oh there's a creature coming behind you meanwhile this one you get also you get hit behind with a rock wait what what the hell happened sorry what the heck happened 
and you turn around. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's Bigfoot kicking kicking giant rocks out of the ground at you with its big shoes. Like, <laughs> there's cryptids. There's cryptids in this game too. Oh my. Oh yeah, and, and, and they're, they're just it, it it's so retro because it, it's hilarious. Like big shit or big shoe. Wait, why am I saying big shoe? Bigfoot had, if I remember correctly, had big shoes. You had the witches, which are like your stereotypical goths. The aforementioned uh, swamp boy. Um, then it had, then it actually had a had a mirror fight. But the funny thing was, the mirror fight was fighting your exact opposite. So, like the nerd was fighting this giant Hulk, a uh, silent Hulk. Um, there was a like. I'm trying to remember. Oh, and then, uh, then like, if I remember correctly, like the slacker who was the one who like first weapon was a plunger. His his alternate person persona was like a businessman. And then I think the um, the vapid tier leader just had a demon for an alt for a, a counterpart, and they didn't they don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> That's weird. That seems like it's not an opposite. I don't know about the cheerleaders in high school when when you were there, or if you're still there. You still in high school? No, no. I'm. Uh, no, okay. I, I'm actually. My, I'm. I'm going to be forty this year. I'm scared to say. I'm afraid to say. Oh, you I know. Sound, I don't uh, sound it. Or, you sound a little younger. Okay. Yeah, I haven't let I haven't let life kick me down. Basically. Hey, you got it. That's what you got to do. You know, uh, real quick, I kind of want to revisit the whole weapon creation concept in this game because it just made me think of um, Dead Rising. You ever played Dead Rising? Oh, yeah. Dead Rising. That's another one of my games that, that I really like because of that. aspect. And it's kind of like that, like all the weapons as you upgrade them, it, it has that kind of feel like there's a if I remember the taser made from cell phones and batteries there the shotgun in it is a pair is literally um built from pipes i'm i'm wondering if maybe this uh monster madness game had some sort of influence on dead rising because that's a i mean it's not an unreasonable coincidence like oh that could never be a coincidence but it does seem to be awfully close to each other Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like in the game, you, your first weapon you get that that's a range weapon is a nail gun, and it's basically your your typical submachine guns. Or the next weapon is a pipe shotgun, cell phone taser. I think I'll, there's a few weapons in here that it doesn't have that feel. Like there's a rocket launcher, flamethrower, grenade slinging shot, but then you also have. Uh, CD launcher. Oh, that one was so much fun. <laughs> they like cut heads off. It, it it's one of those weapons where it ricochet. It's a ricochet weapon. Oh, okay, so it bounces around like a like a glaive. Yeah, so it's something okay. where where you it's it's really bad if you use it wrong because it if it it can backfire on you. But it was a lot of I, I know it was a lot of fun in the mall areas where like you trick a, trick them into a roll and they just fire and it's just going it's here. <laughs> so okay, so um, still still a little bit on the mechanics here. When it came, we, we you kind of mentioned a little bit like these uh, individual characters and they had these personas like the slacker the nerd or the jock um did you get to pick which of these characters you were going to play as like or was it like just different parts of the story gave you a different character to use oh you, you got to pick if it was like a four four play up to four players okay but they all have their own signature weapons too that you okay. can pick up like, it... Sorry. oh no go ahead Basically, if you picked up your signature weapon, then you could do the the classic charge up, whoa, swing around attack. Basically, so you got the force. Um. Okay, so like, did did, he, did these characters have like different stats, or was this just like a generic character with a different skin who had access to different weapons? It was it was more the generic skin. It was more like you got the different audio and you did you had a different appearance and they had different reactions. But other than that, they mostly played the same. Okay, so it was more like a customization aspect uh, in a, in an early aughts game. Okay, 
Um, that's that's actually really interesting because it, it really sounds like that. Even though this sounds like an indie game, uh, will, will we call this an indie game? You think? I'd say it was kind of an indie game. It has kind of an indie game feel, definitely. Okay, so we have this like indie game that like it comes out in 07 and a lot of games that we play nowadays really seem to have a lot of the different aspects that were in this this smaller game. And I think that's really, really interesting because it kind of makes you it does make you wonder, like, like when we asked before, like, do you think maybe that Dead Rising pulled their inspiration from that? If these other games like maybe they they found this game and they were like, well, this is a really cool aspect. Like maybe we should employ uh, employ that into, um, you know, our own uh, project. Yeah, I kind of got that. I kind of got that feel that it it was trying a lot of different things and it didn't land as well as it could have the time but it was it's a lot of concepts that a lot of later games um went with like there's actually a few scenes in it where it almost sort of changes genre what do you mean like there's a um well there's a level there's a level where you're going through the school and at one point the principal takes away all your weapons (laughs) as they do so you have to go through it's it's almost a sneak it, you kind of have to sneak to get to your weapons. So it's kind of like a um, solid snake kind of deal where like you have to, you have to get, sneak around these um, gremlins in the school to get to the area where all your weapons are stored. And if I remember correctly, there was also some por- portions of it where you would get in, you'd have to fight and then you had to grab. So you had to grab from the, the chairs and everything in the, in the environment to a fight, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So, you know, for for a little while here, I was I was picturing like a two D side scroller sort of platformer type uh, situation. Are we looking at more of like a Zelda uh, type setup with like the movement and stuff? I want to say more like it was more like well, yeah, it was more kind of sort of like I want to say more like Zelda. Okay, it's kind of it, like when they did when they moved it to the the overhead for like I said the over up down camera it was all it was more overhead 3d like you could see the area but it's still fully 3d if that makes sense yeah no no that definitely makes sense um i'm actually you know i didn't even look up at images of like gameplay for the oh wow okay oh yeah you know, these graphics actually they don't look bad oh yeah definitely the graphics are great i mean they they have a style to them but it's it's the same style that they have in the artwork. Yeah, I mean the the artwork style is different. Um, but I would say that like this game is almost like have you ever played the card game Munchkin? Yeah, I've played it a couple times. Okay, this this game feels like a video game version of a Munchkin card game almost. Just like the way like the the enemies look. Um, they're like cartoony, like you can tell, like they're supposed to look like scary and evil, but they're comical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's uh, one of the enemies is a ghoul. It's got a tourist stuck to its back. OK, you, you got to you got you to Google it. You'll see it. You're not it, it. It sounds it's it's even more what it sounds like, even even though it sounds kind of weird. But it was that one's like a fun one to deal with because the tourists will take pictures of you and stun you. Okay. So you can't you gotta watch out for them to turn their back on you to get attacked that way. All right. So it uh I had a completely I really should have looked up images uh of, <laughs> or maybe like a gameplay video ahead. I just wanted to look up basic facts and then uh just like see what you could convey. So I because I, I was definitely picturing like the wrong game. I really was picturing like like an indie style, like almost like a Hollow Knight um, type. So, did you ever play Hollow Knight? Yeah. Well, I, okay, well, I yeah. played the I played the beginning of it. I got to get into it more. I know it's a good game. I, I have a friend that like he he drops Hollow Knight trivia whenever he can. Yeah, it, you know it is a fantastic game. Um, I actually got put onto it by another podcast called A Cast of the Past. Uh, they did a whole episode on it, and it sounded phenomenal. So we picked it up and played it. And um, we have not beaten it yet, but that game is hard. 
that is a hard game and it is a 2d side scrolling platformer um really really good uh so that's kind of what i was picturing but we really are just looking at more of um like a oh man i don't even know how how we would describe because like the graphics are a lot better than but the gameplay is similar to like like an old like ps1 Baldur's gate what is that game dark alliance oh i have to look into that one I don't. It basically kind of makes me think of like the stuff you would see out of Image. Like I know there's a there's a comic that it kind of made me think of. Like I think Route ninety nine or something like that. So same kind of feel. These kids have this thing happen to their town, and then they're being chased by monsters. Okay, so we really have like a a solid game here with like a really a decent story that sort of has like an M Night Shyamalan feel at the end of it. Um, with an interesting weapon concept of constructing these different weapons and you play as these different roles. And, you know, let, let's kind of like get into like the controls. Like when, when you were controlling this, you said you played it on a trackball. So I'm going to venture forth and say that controls didn't feel bad at all. Like if you were able to play the game on, on something like that, um, can you describe the controls a little bit for us and like give us like uh what am I looking? What word am I looking for here? Like your own like personal perception of the situation? Well, admittedly, I, I I lost the game, so I wasn't able to retry it. But from what I remember of it, at least playing it that when you play it without an Xbox controller, it kind of translated to you. I was turning with the mouse, and um, actually, no. Now I think about it, it was uh, this was before I I really played um some uh before like uh games like left for when i played it it wasn't before i was reading a left for dead so maybe it wasn't as bad it was just it just seemed i remember it was kind of weird there were some of the things for it i think it oh now i remember i think because if i remember correctly it had this weird thing where one of the keys was to move one of the one of the mouse keys okay to move forward sort of or all right. Yeah. So, it's, oh, oh, so yeah, it is like a like a point and click, sort of like a maybe like a League of Legends. No, no, it's, it was more like it, like it, it's been so long since I played the PC version. That's the hard thing. But it was kind of like it was more like one of the I know one of the parts on the mouse was something you would normally have on the keyboard, and if I remember correctly, it was more like it was you held down to move forward or it was to jump. I. It's, I apologize. I tried to find more information mm-hmm. on it, but it was since that, 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 but it was the controls. I will say the controls on the, um, the re on the, and I want to, I don't want to call it a remake because it's basically the same engine. They just fixed the controls. I know that that one's a lot better. It was, it was more, um, you know, your typical twin shooter. So you had one, you had a uh, one analog stick for movement, one analog stick for aiming. Right. Okay, so sort of like a nine parchments type deal. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's that's interesting too. Um, so you could like aim and move in an opposite direction then? Yeah, you can yeah, you can move away and aim back, that kind of thing. Which made it a lot easier because like I said, the, the original one on Xbox three sixty and and Windows was built like the controls were like a first person shooter, but you were basically playing as twin stick shooter with the limited view, which made it, made it harder, but it made it a lot more interesting. And I think it added a challenge level that really made me enjoy it. Yeah. I, um, I I haven't played this game particularly, but I have played nine parchments, uh, which is sort of an indie game. It's, it's an inexpensive game on the switch and they have the controls are the same where um, your movement stick uh, allows you to move in any direction while the aim stick allows you to aim in any direction um, using like magic so you're casting spells and stuff but um, so it is a uh, difficult to pick up because it, it's a it's it's like a an atypical or sorry is that the word yeah atypical um, uh, controller setup where you're just like well this isn't what I'm used to right right um so that that sounds really interesting so like would you say that the controller scheme um 
is like a like a downside to it or would you or would you say it's like a plus to the game it's a downside if you just want to have some fun it's an upside if you want the challenge okay if you if you want to have a fun time playing the game where just it's more casual i will i i suggest grave danger the the rebuild but if you really want a fun challenge monster uh what's it I know that you just said a battle for server for suburbia is more of the let's go or let's go challenge me type of game. Okay. Yeah. It really, it really does sound like it gives you that too. Like where you're just like, I'm going to play something nonlinear and something I'm not used to and, and do something new. Um, when, when you were, when you are controlling this game, like after you've played for like a couple hours, do you think it like, you get like weird muscle memory issues. Like if you go back to an older game, like, or not an, necessarily an older game, but like a different game where you have a more standard set of controls. Yeah. I had a lot of, I know that was, a, that was one thing. The reason why I played justice game, when I got her playing this game, I played justice game and I think I played it for almost 48 hours straight. Just, wow. Uh, so, so you have at least 48 hours of gameplay in this. I, I believe so, but a lot of that too is it in the in the or, earlier version. There's a lot of like you have to go back to levels and collect items. It's a lot more okay. a lot more requirements for parts, so you're playing over and over again. Okay, so that's that's really interesting for especially for like an indie game to have that much game time uh, in in its in its uh, in its setup because maybe even today. Even today, like if, if you were to go to somebody and say, hey, like this game takes 48 hours to complete, they would look at you crazy. Like, what do you mean 48 hours? I, I, I might have I might have slipped between there, but it was I know I played played it through straight. It will, my family had my family actually got a little worried about me. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, still, I mean, I mean, even if like even if you slept in there, we're talking 40 to 48 hours, you know, where like games nowadays like if you're gonna play a, a story mode you're looking at eight to 12 16 hours if if you are lucky that, that's true though so i know it might also miss me me where i because part of it might have been just because i kept on looking all over the map for items too because i know i know a lot of games like people say it's only eight to 14 hours and I'll, i'm like i get to that point i'm like i'm only a third way through the game <laughs> But that's not right, why I mean, four, me as a player. Yeah, four, I mean, 14 hours on a game, that's a week, maybe. If, you know, you come home and play for two hours or so after work. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, and, and we're talking $60 to play a game for a week, unless you have, like, a solid multiplayer experience, which most of these games do nowadays. Um, and then you said, speaking of the multiplayer, um, you, this game is up to four players, and with this particular controller setup, now I know how it works in nine parchments. How does that kind of flow together when you have multiple people? Like, is one person able to like forcibly move everyone to the next portion of the map, or does he have to wait everybody to catch up, or does he just like vanish off the side of the screen if he goes too far? Um, at least my experience playing multiplayer on on Grave Danger. I haven't had a ch- I didn't get a chance to play it on the the older version because I didn't really know anyone else who had it. But from what I heard, from what I heard on that one, if you're playing it on the same screen, then everyone's kind of limited to the same area, which is hard. But I know on Grave Danger it was. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like the street would basically go as far as you could go from each other. Oh, and then you had, okay. then you had to so, wait for people to catch up. Okay. So they pretty much everybody had to be on the same page. Like, all right, yeah, we're ready to leave the area. And uh, I've played games similar to that in the past. And that has the potential to be frustrating, especially if you're playing with, with a collector type player where they have to get every coin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. So really, I mean, that's controls. Like, how would you rate this game overall? I w- my personal rating is it's a four out of five because it had it to me it had a lot of story. It had a lot of funny moments. Some of the boss fights were actually kind of interesting. Like, um, Mister Huggles, you had to um, 
he was covered in foam, so he couldn't use your weapons. So you had to throw items <laughs> at him until he reached out of his clothes. And even then, you had to trick him into these traps to be electrocuted. That's kind of awesome. Like, it's like nonlinear strategy. Um, was that was that sort of like out of the box thinking, like something that you had to use frequently throughout the game? Or is that just like the once in a while you had to come up with something creative? Yeah, once once in a while you had to come up with something creative. Um, I, it was a lot. It was it was it was kind of fun because it was there's these small segments that would change. Like once he got through the park and you were in the city. There was a segment where you'd get, uh, you would actually get like a go, a go kart. So you'd, it would be this racing section, session or section, stuff like that. It it wasn't a lot of it. Wasn't that came out of nowhere? The huggles sort of came out of nowhere, but not really because you see him being chased around monsters the whole like earlier in the level, and he never really seems to get hurt. So you, it, it sort of makes sense when you look at it that way. If that okay. makes sense. No, no, yeah, I understand what you mean. That's interesting. That's really uh, interesting. So, um, if you someone was going to go uh, pick this game up and try it out, what would be some like basic strategies? Like, what would you recommend a, a, a new player getting into this game uh, do uh, in order to kind of get a grasp without dying super fast? Upgrade the nail guns as quickly as you can. They're the best. What? They're the they're the best weapon at first until the pipe. The other ones, it it all depends on strategy. Like the CD launcher is a good weapon, but you don't want to use it in too enclosed an area. But if you get a lot of places where like you you get a lot of ricochets where you can just fire it off to the side and just you know bounces back for for in a hallway, that actually helps out a lot. Uh, one thing I did find that was. You always want to try to get your signature weapon because, like I said, as you're fighting with that, it'll build up a meter to let you do a super move. And that'll help. And the super move typically is kind of like a ground pound thing effect. So it's a lot because there are a lot of sections where it'll have what it calls, calls a monster mash, which is your typical summon monsters are summoned in this area. You have to defeat them all to move on, that kind of thing. Okay. So is, that, is the super move like a limit break from Final Fantasy almost? kind of it, it it's a simpler move but it's it's basically that same concept because it's basically you, you're swinging this thing back and forth in your normal attacks and then it's just like a ground like it's a ground pound that has a circular effect around you if that makes sense yeah yeah okay so level up the nail gun try to get your signature weapon um movement wise um is there like a dodge mechanic that people can employ. Oh yeah, there, there there's a dodge roll, and that that's very useful. Um, I'd say also try not to get it stuck in the middle of a crowd. It, sometimes it seems like you probably fight your way out, but it's 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 good idea to keep the mob moving, so to speak, because if they can gang up on you, they can they can really do a lot of damage, and that'll take you down pretty pretty quickly. Okay, so sort of like train them like you do in like uh, Call of Duty zombies, right? Right, you just lead them around, turn and shoot a little bit, lead them, turn and shoot. Yeah. Okay. And experiment with the weapons. The shield is bad. <laughs> it's just bad. It it's sort of I've had it work occasionally. It's like if you need to if you really it's a last minute weapon, it works fine. It just doesn't do enough damage to actually be able to use it as in to quote um What's that one zombie movie with the lawnmower strapped to the guy's chest? Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, what is that movie called? I know it's dead something, but I can't remember the second word. Hmm. It, That's going to bug me. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of works, but not as it works at the last minute. But as soon as you can get ammo or some an alternative switch off of it it's just it's just not worth using and also always i will also say destroy everything uh the movie you're thinking of is called brain dead oh brain dead yeah but yeah you want to destroy everything because you always get you it always shoot garbage cans what whatever that it always almost always drops an item to use for for making something okay um, all right. So before we move into our next segment here, 
Um, is there anything else that you think would be real key to mention about this game? It has so many pop culture references. It, one of the reoccurring and it, like there's it's funny. You actually have a rival in it. That's basically Billy, who's literally just hockey mask kid with chainsaw. <laughs> and the and the fun part is you can actually use him because a lot of times he'll show up. There'll be a monster mash. And if that's another that's another um, tip. If you have a monster mash going on with Billy, try to stay away from him and let him do his do what he does so that it will make the fight easier for you. Okay. Um, and then the monster mash is, is what, like, it's like a special event? Yeah, it's like a special event. It's like, you know, like the typical, the you, you, you stop, you have to face out this many creatures, and then you, then you can move on kind of kind of thing that that's a typical game thing or game gotcha. mechanic. It's like it hits you like a like a wave or a horde. Okay. Yeah. And then the uh, so oh, that really that really explains how that ties in with uh, your personal interests, you know, with all the pop culture references too, and how that could tie into your your individual podcasts as well. That's really um that's really interesting. Uh, all right. So what we're gonna do then is we're gonna move into our next segment. Um, for those of you who have not listened to this show before, and maybe this is your first time, our next segment is called New Meta. What are you doing? New Meta! All right, so um, when you're playing this game, like we kind of went over some like real basic strategies, like get your nail gun, you know, if you can use the CD launcher in like a hallway, go for it. You know, try to get your, your, your signature weapon. What is some like crazy stuff that you've done in this game that really caught you off guard like i can't believe that worked i actually at one point i actually made it all the way to the there's this part where you have to go through this this period or you have to go through this area and you start over the tank at the beginning and most people end up losing the tank beforehand but i actually managed to make it all the way to the boss which was this which i'm still surprised that went well because you get you're taking it all the way up to this castle and then it's like this small square drawbridge and you're basically fighting the the largest skeleton you have ever seen it is ultraman <laughs> levels so <laughs> i managed to get the tank all the way up there and then as it's stomping down i'm just i'm just driving in circles shooting the tank at shooting the cannon at it and just going all right it's going to knock me off it's going to knock me off and then it did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that is interesting. So you you ended up in this vehicle that typically they don't really intend for you to get this far with it, and you're just swinging circles, just just panicking, like, oh my god, this is going to throw me off the edge. And uh, then it worked out, and you won. That's that's interesting. Um, did you ever try something like intentionally, like, oh, I'm going to combine these items here? Like, um, it's just like we something weird. Like, uh, I'm gonna get like a bamboo skewer and I'm gonna stick it in this garden hose and see what happens. Like, did any anything like that? Uh, anything like that? Um, so you just like put it together and you're like, ah, I I can't believe that actually made a weapon. It doesn't really have that that kind of thing to it, but I do know I was surprised at one point. Um. I managed to actually beat one of the bosses just using the using the weapon or the signature weapon because um, there's this one of the fights is Billy is in a set of haunted carts that you're you're typically have to be in the um, you ha- you're in this car because you're these carts are going around like a train firing firing projectiles at you at one point i i actually managed to run out of ammo and the car blew up so i I only only thing i had left was uh melee attacks and i ended up it was almost to death it was almost dead so i figured you know what the heck and i rushed in and and took a swing and i got flung but i didn't die You just Fernarnia'd it right into the boss and it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, 
what would you say was the thing that surprised you the absolute most about the game? Like something you really didn't expect, and I didn't expect the I didn't expect uh, Larry Tools to be the bad guy. <laughs> he he was just he was he just seemed like he just seemed such like such a lonely nerd has been actor through it that it just it never struck me that oh hey this guy is actually evil. Okay. Um. Would you, would, if you were able to predict that sooner in the game, do you think it would have helped you get through the game easier? I, I think it might. I don't know. I think it might have actually turned me off of the game a little bit. Cause just if it was more predictable, that's one thing I really liked about the storyline was I couldn't predict what was going on next because they would set up, "Hey, I need these flux capacitors to make a bomb to blow your way into the mall. Take this mech and." smash up the smash up the parking lot to get the parts that kind of thing it had a it had a very off the off the cuff feel where it made it i think that's one of the things that made it interesting is because it was such an off the cuff feel that you couldn't predict what was going to come next and it made Uh, every the new segments more fun like hey you got out of the sewer now take this um uh what's the they're like the boats, but they have the fans on the back. Oh, like a like a pontoon boat. I think. Yeah, it was like a pontoon boat. Like take this pontoon boat and get to the get to the crypt, that kind of thing. And then a lot of the creature in, interact. They did a really good job about in, every time it introduced a new monster, it would have the cinematic intro for them to show up. Okay. Uh, so like the really just the this the twist at the end was like a real disappointment because the game really set you up for something more zany, and they really just hit you with the M Night Shyamalan. You're just like really well, well no no I I I enjoyed it. I just I just think that if I could have predicted it, then they weren't being as zany. If that makes sense. Oh okay yeah yeah okay I got you now. All right I mean because I know I do know that. Typically nowadays, the whole concept of using that M Night Shyamalan strategy isn't really well received in a lot of circles anymore. Uh, especially since um, that movie that is debatable whether it exists or not, uh, Avatar. Oh yeah, that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, you know we have a we've only got a couple of minutes left here, really. Um, I just want to personally thank you for coming on to the show here and, and chatting with me. It's been a real good time so far. Um, you know, take the next couple of minutes and uh, really uh, give us the lowdown more about your podcast and, and where our <laughs> listeners can find you. Okay. And I do have one fact about this game that might make people interested, even more interested in. Uh, okay. I have here the bio for Billy. It's very quick. Marked for a loser from birth, Billy was put up for adoption and was denied promptly for being totally boring, uninteresting, and a slightly scary child. Growing up, Billy had many pets, but none of them would play with him. This losing streak continued to the current monster madness. Seeing an opportunity to fit in, he sided with the monsters. Once again rejected, he now takes out his frustration on anything in his way. <laughs> that's gold (laughs) you know and it it seems so it it seems so simple and almost uncreative but at the same time it's genius yeah because i mean it it makes sense someone like that would snap (laughs) and it's just it's so ridiculous like (laughs) somebody's looking at you like really <laughs> I, I think this game is one of those things that makes our podcast as good as it is because I, I saw stuff like this and was like, I gotta do something like this. Oh, so really like this this helped inspire your individual podcast? Yeah, I mean in in a way it just inspired my way of writing characters because I really like making these zany characters, but then if you literally look at them, they make sense. Like um like Haley in the first arc, there's, I don't know how far you got in the first arc, but there's stuff that comes up with her that explains why she's kind of the way she is. The, the squirrel girl that uh, Marcus was visiting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see what you mean by like where you, you, you pulled a lot of inspiration from this game. And that's, that's actually really, really cool that, 
you know, you would take something that was five dollars on a on a big lot shelf and you know, at the end of the day, it was a good game, and then you made an even more excellent podcast out of it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about that. You know, let let us know. Like, what is this podcast? I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit in the first segment there, but you know, let us know. Like, what is this, and where can we find it? Uh, Dungeons and Pop can be found on most podcasts. I think I have it on most podcasts. What's the, what's the term? Not chaser, but like you know, like catchers catchers yeah catchers um we're on pine pinecast like i said before we're a variety show so we have a bunch of different uh campaigns and segments like we had what was originally called monster mash but we changed it later to the laboratory which is where <coughs> sorry three of our three of our cast members work on making uh monsters well two, well, two to three of our cast members work on making homebrew stuff for D and D like making monsters setting, talking about different scenarios. Um, we have adventures of attitude, our all henshin D and D five E campaign. And basically the only power Rangers D and D actual play out there. It's very, it's very much a mix of all kinds of pop culture. There's so many things I can't even go into detail. I've been told, Every time I throw a twist at these guys, that they're they're surprised because I I'll, I'll I will Kevin Bacon something. I have an idea. Like um, there's a there's a character in it that it, that was a boss for one of the one shots that was basically, hey, I saw this movie, the sugar. The, I saw the latest Nutcracker movie, and I made a I basically made a the sugar. What what if the sugar plum fairy was a um ramped up familiar turned person <laughs> and then i just i just I, I i developed it from there because it was it was that was a fun that was a fun one if you check out the first one i would say it's the second gesselheim and Solgum. it's worth checking out because we have the most unorthodox boss battle because the players actually wanted to help her instead of you know killing her like every other D party oh my god <laughs> So, so even your show takes some uh, pretty uh, zany twists and turns. Yeah, I, I, I never know where we're going. I, I mean, I have a general idea, but I'm always, I'm always, I'm like a shark. I'm always creating. Do, uh, do you have any like social media or anything anywhere anybody can reach out to you? Oh yeah, I can be found on Twitter. My personal account is Too Toasted, though I usually post on Dungeons Pop, our our Twitter account for the podcast. Oh, and I also am joining the cast of Sewer, Sewers and Shrunkins, a Teenage Ninja Turtle D&D podcast. We're still working on getting season two out, but there's a mini series that we're, we're, we're slowly getting out where I get to play as Jun Rains, a crocodile, accidentally morally good cowboy alien thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. He's an accidentally lawfully good because his race is unlo- is is naturally prone to lawlessness. But he got hooked on cowboy cowboy movies, so he does good for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> and then this is a this is a different podcast, right? Yeah, this is a different podcast. Um, I'm uh, I'm just a player in, in that one. We'll have to check that one out too. All right. Um, and then, uh, as always, uh, you, uh, listeners, you guys can reach out to either of us really in the Cast Junkie Discord server. Well, we'll we're both in there pretty regularly. Yep. <laughs> in fact, um, CJ is going to be on our show eventually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. I love tabletops. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I got to let I got to let Fantasy Crest know because that one's actually filled. Oh, nice. So there's a whole cast. Excellent. That's exciting. Uh, I've not gotten to play that particular rule set uh, yet, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Sean, again, thank, thank you so much for, for coming on to the show today and, and sitting down. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And oh. and I apologize if any players, anyone playing this game, as far as those as far as I remember, that's what I remember for new meta. I might 
my memory might be a little off, but that's the best I could, that's what I, that's what came to mind. So I apologize if I was off. <laughs> it has I'm, I'm been sure a few years. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they'll forgive you. Um, but at this time, man, you know, it's time for you to walk the plank. Oh no. And I forgot my waiters. <laughs> Listeners until next time. Uh, we'll see you next week. Raise the anchor! Drop the sails! Spin the transporter! Aye aye, Captain! Casually Meta is a Barrenland Studios production in association with the Thunder Bunnies Gaming Guild and the Roll for Gaming tabletop community. Links to both communities in the description. Captain 7C Savvy is played by Savannah Bagby. CJ the Beardless is played by Christopher Reinhardt and the crew is played by Christopher Schalm and Mira S. Intro music was done by Untold Journey and the transition and ambient music is by J.S. Merritt. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider joining our Patreon for added perks such as early releases and your chance to pick a topic for us to cover in future episodes. Thank you for listening and catch you next week.